0: I'm getting the signal from Jim Colkey to if you can squeeze in. Okay, if you can squeeze in so other people who are coming in can find some seats. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Praise God. Um, I just I just feel the need to I hadn't planned on saying this. I, I just feel the need to say um that while we, we call this church at Bergen, um, there's lots of churches that gather around the country. And a true church, the, the primary goal of the church, why we come here together, is to worship Jesus Christ. We don't come because we think it's a cute idea or because it's a cool tradition. We come to worship Jesus Christ. Um, and I, I see so many different faces, and there's so many that, that I don't know. I don't, I don't know where you came from. You have so many pro- different problems, different issues. Some, some issues worse than others. And all the church has to offer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, that's all we have to offer. Is the perfect life, the perfect death, and the perfect resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we believe that it's the answer to every issue in the entire universe, small to big. That's it. That's, that's, that's why we come here. That's, that's why. That's, if you are not a Christian... If you think you're a Christian, but you're, you're not really sure, all I have to offer you today is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ, is Jesus. I feel the need to pray right now, so let's, if you wouldn't mind, just bowing your heads real quick, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the King, you are God. You are the one true living God. You deserve all honor, glory, and praise when you sent your son Jesus Christ to be the substitute for sinners like me. so that we could have you again. I pray, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit today to strengthen those who do see Jesus as their greatest joy and treasure, and you would work that miraculous work and give people spiritual eyes to see that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the Son of God who died for their sins and rose again from the dead, pray these things in Jesus' good name. Amen. Okay, so with, with God's help, I hope, I'm a mess, I'm already crying, holy cow. Um, with God's help, I hope that we can feel uh, the weight and significance of the, of the following statement. Here's the statement, okay? If we are going to persevere to the end as believers in Jesus, we need each other more than we think because our sin is more dangerous and threatening than you know. That's the statement. Let me say it again. I want us today to feel the weight and significance of the following statement. If we are going to persevere to the end, to the day we die, or when Jesus Christ returns, if we're going to make it there, we need each other More than we think because our sin is more dangerous and threatening than we know. That's what I want us to feel. Okay? But I can't do that. Personally, me, I I don't have the power to change your hearts to make you feel that. Only God can do that. Which is why churches must preach from the word of God. Because a 30-year-old, unseasoned, potential, keyword, potential elder, has no authority in and of himself apart from the Word of God. If, it, if what I'm saying does not match with, come from, link together with what it says in the Word of God, it is mere opinion. No one has ever been changed, spiritually speaking, from opinion or from the power of the Word of God. So, While I'm preaching today, if you consider yourself, you know, part of this church, pray for me as I'm preaching that this would happen today. We are in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14 today. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14 today. Here's what the word of the Lord says. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So, the writer of the book of Hebrews, we don't really know who wrote it. Uh, some people think it was Paul the Apostle. We don't really know. Um, the writer of Hebrews in this passage here gives us two commands: two commands, verse 12, and 13. The first one is more of a warning, and the second one is more of how do we combat the thing warned against in verse 12. And then in verse 14, he gives us the reason for giving us those two commands. Okay? So verses, in other words, verses 12 and 13 are given to us because of what is said in verse 14. Okay? Let's take a look. Let's take a look. First, command number one. It's more of a warning. Verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So it's obvious that this is to Christians, at least to professing Christians. If you claim to be a Christian, this verse is especially directed towards you because it says, take care, brothers. It's not physical brothers and sisters, it's spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you claim to be a Christian, this passage is warning you, telling you to be on watch, to be alert for something. What? lest, that means to avoid the risk of or to prevent the following thing, what thing? Take care lest there be in any of you, he's getting personal now, you, you. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So we are told to take care To watch out for our very own hearts. Lest there be an evil, unbelieving heart inside of you. A heart that stubbornly refuses to listen to what God says. You know what he says. And you say, you're a liar. You know what God says. And you say, no. This heart is evil. How do I know that? Because the verse says so. Evil, unbelieving heart. I want to draw attention real quick to the fact that it says unbelieving heart. The Bible roots belief in the heart. You would think you would say unbelieving mind, right? We usually equate believing something with our mind. Right, you think about something, you accept it as true in your mind. But the Bible would say that ultimately if you don't believe what God says, it is a heart issue. That fundamentally, unbelief is irrational. It has no basis. It's simple stubbornness to refuse to listen to God. What's wrong with unbelief though? Because of what it can lead to lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you, our hearts lead us, to fall away from the living God. It can lead you to fall away. The reason why unbelief is so terrible is because of where it takes you away from. It takes you away from the living God. The only true source of joy and life and refuge Pleasure. It takes you away from that. Unbelief is what cuts you off from Him. No, No wonder He's saying, Take care, brothers. What does this mean for you and me? It means you and I, if you are a professing Christian, you need to pay attention to the inner workings of your heart. You need to pay attention to your heart. Be very in tune with your heart. Be very aware of what goes on in there. Just you and God and silence. We don't like to do that, which is why we find ourselves on our iPhone so much, and email, and Instagram, and Twitter, and television, and that mindless type of internet surfing. Right, the kind where you're on Amazon and you have no intention of buying anything. Everybody's laughing because yes, we all do it, right? Um, I do it probably once a day. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Um. <laughs> but we don't like to do this, right? Because we just don't like to do that. Ugh. We hate the silence because too much silence for an extended period of time allows that voice inside of your heart to rise up and condemn you. And so we drown it out with noise and distraction and, and the Bible says, don't do that. Be in tune with your heart. This is why self-examination, a spiritual discipline, is so essential in the Christian life. A practical prayer, Psalm 139, 23-24. Like, just, just get alone tomorrow morning. No music, nothing. Just you and God and say these words. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Do you see unbelief in your heart? Do you see in your heart? I could, I could, I could list out a bunch of things, but do you, you know what God says. If you're a Christian and you read your Bible, you know what God says. Do you find yourself simply resisting and disbelieving what he says to you? Take care, brothers. And I guarantee you, if you do grow in this practice of examining your heart, you will grow in humility and love. Because if you actually take the time to scrape around in the depths of your heart, you'll see that most of your problems are you. Are you? And if you realize that most of your problems are you, you're not going to be very proud. Husbands and wives, are you quick to spot them or your heart? Stop finding what's wrong and just, God, show me my heart. That's essential for your own health spiritually. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. This is the first command, and is more in the form of a warning. So then, so okay, so okay, wow, now I'm really freaked out, so what do we do? That leads us to the next command, command number two. This is what, so verse 13 is what we, Church of Bergen, are to do to protect ourselves from, verse 12, the unbelieving heart. Verse 13, but exhort one another every day. Exhort means encourage, so I'll say that. But encourage one another every day, for how long? As long as it is called a day. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. This is how we combat and fight against an evil, unbelieving heart. Encouragement with each other every day. I could spend a lot of time uh, preaching on practically what it looks like to encourage each other. But I want to really focus on this phrase here. Look at the verse. But exhort one another. When the Bible uses this phrase, it is primarily referring to one another inside of a local church. So this warning against the residue and dross of an evil, unbelieving heart is taken most seriously inside of a local church. So if you are not invested, fully invested into a local church somewhere, you're kind of like a, you just kind of float, you can't possibly be taking your own heart seriously. I understand there's, there's, I totally understand. There there, there are times when you gotta search, that's fine. But eventually you gotta land somewhere if you're gonna take this seriously. You're not taking your heart seriously if this is happening. Some of you may even like commit to one church and go to church every Sunday there, and that's it. That's not what this one another in this verse is is merely talking about. How do I know that? Look at the verse. Exhort one another every day. A better translation is day by day. That's more than Sundays last time I checked. Last time I checked, every day is more than just one day a week. This encouragement must happen more than Sundays. Sundays. Sunday morning is not enough, especially a podcast. My wife and I used to do this. Hey, care, how's it going? Um, we used to do this. We used to just float. And looking back, I, I don't know what we were doing. I don't know how we did it. I know that today, my love for Jesus and worshiping of Jesus is much more fresh and intense. Because I, we have finally just stopped the the whatever with other churches and plugged ourselves into one this is where it happens also the regular dosage of encouragement is meant to happen within the local church not merely or mainly with other Christians outside the church okay so this letter was addressed to a local congregation many scholars believe that this book of hebrews was actually a sermon So it's said to a group of people inside of a church. So it can't just be, okay, I'm going to go to a church on Sunday, and then I'm going to go to some other Christians who are not a part of that church and just get encouraged by them. That's that's good, but what this is talking about is the same people throughout the week who know you and see you on a regular basis and know the inner workings of your heart and know how to specifically encourage you. This is profound, and you need to hear this, because God has made the local church the very means of preserving your faith in Jesus. And not just the local church, this is where it gets crazy, the actual words of encouragement from people within the local church is God himself keeping your faith sustained, so it's not, like, it's not like, okay, God sustains your faith, and then we do this other thing over here called encouragement. Like two separate things. No, 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 no. Same. The encouragement is the keeping. The very words of encouragement that come out of people's mouths within the local church is God himself keeping your faith. Boom. Kablam, That's, that's, that's crazy. So whenever you are encouraging someone in this church, you are actually, God is actually using you to further intensify and strengthen that person's faith to keep them to the end. Which is why plugging yourself into a local church, you are putting yourself into the very means God has set up to preserve you to the end as a believer in Jesus Christ. Does this mean, okay, I need to say this. Does this mean that if you don't do this that you're either not a Christian or you're not going to make it and you're going to go to hell? No. No. Obviously not. Obviously not. But if this is how God has set things up for you to be in a local church and have the words of encouragement of people inside local church keeping your faith, if you try to, squeeze out and kind of do a Lone Ranger cowboy journey which is just you and Jesus that doesn't mean you're not going to make it that doesn't mean you're not a Christian it does mean that you're on dangerous ground that's, that's the point Okay, that's an important distinction it does mean you're on dangerous ground if you're just kind of doing yeah you know I just, I just kind of like it, just me and Jesus and you know I'm more, I'm more of a I kind of do my own thing okay that's fine but like that's not how God works though Normally, that's normally not how God works. He set things up for you to be inside the local church f- so that you can hear the grace-filled, gospel-centered encouragement from one another, and that is him keeping your faith. This is why this is so important. Let me restate the first phrase again. If we are going to make it to the end, as believers in Jesus, we need each other more than we think. Because our sin is more serious and dangerous than we know. More serious and dangerous than we know. Which is why it says in verse, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Look at that phrase, building up. It's the actual phrase used for like when carpenters build up houses. Our faith-preserving words of encouragement are God's tools for building up your faith in Jesus Christ The way that a carpenter builds up a house that can withstand a violent storm. Your words of encouragement in the local church are God's very tools building up your faith. So when you step outside of that, the tools are over there, they're not here. So you need to get in here, so that the words of encouragement from fellow believers can begin to build up and strengthen your faith in Jesus Christ, so that you do persevere to the end. Why the urgency, though? Why is this so? Ur- is this really that big of a deal? Is this what's the threat? There's actually a massive threat. Look at verse thirteen. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. That, I love conjunctions, you know that. That is telling us the purpose, the intended result. So you do encouragement to do this. What? That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The purpose of you needing to gather regularly with other believers and encourage one another in the local church not just Sundays and podcasts, it's so your hearts don't get hard. It prevents your heart from getting hard. Makes me think of like a loaf of Italian bread left overnight on the counter. You know what I'm saying? Lots of Italians here. I married one. Okay. Um, you don't put in that plastic wrap. You leave it there overnight. You don't put the preserving encapsulation around it. What happens? It gets hard. Or a lump of clay that you don't put the plastic wrap over, you don't put those things inside of its preserving force field, they naturally get hard. Similarly, the grace filled, gospel centered encouragement from the mouth of another believer in a local church that you have plugged into is the preserving force field of your heart to prevent it from getting hard which leads to unbelief, which possibly might lead to falling away from the living God. Let's get real deep, though. What is responsible for this hardening of the heart? Look at the verse. That none of you may be hardened by. Here's the thing that hardens you. The deceitfulness of sin. I cannot tell you how frightening this phrase is. This phrase has like haunted me like a ghost this past two weeks. I just can't get that phrase, deceitfulness of sin. So the Bible says that you have this thing in your heart called sin. And it has a characteristic, an attribute. It's deceitful. And the goal of sin, what it wants to do is harden your heart so that it, it produces unbelief and gets you to fall away from the living God. And it doesn't do the hardening work by forcing you against your will. It deceives you. It convinces you that God is not worthy of trust so that you will. It convinces you that life outside of God's commands is better. That disobedience to God is what leads to joy. That's sin's deceitful work. So I wrote this. This only results in death and shriveling up of joy. Sin deceives you into clicking the mouse so that you'll watch the pornography. Sin deceives you into holding on to your rage and bitterness. Sin deceives you into holding on to your greed. Sin deceives you into lying to your parents. Sin deceives you in getting a revenge. Sin deceives you in being unwilling to forgive someone who wounded you deeply. Sin deceives you in wearing scandalous clothing to attract boys instead of clothing yourself in holiness to attract men of God. Sin deceives you into disrespecting your teachers. Sin deceives you in rationalizing sleeping together because you love each other. Sin deceives you into looking down on others because they aren't as well behaved as you. I could just... Just go on and on. Make no mistake... Brothers and sisters in Christ. If you have ever sinned, it's because you were deceived. It makes these promises. And it's a lie. God's way is always better. And sin, if you you don't believe that, Sin has deceived you. Make no mistake. And sin, I'm trying to think of a clever way to say this, doesn't have coffee breaks. Doesn't have little breaks. It is constantly going after you. Constantly. makes me think about this story because cuz when you are deceived so your heart gets hard it produces unbelief what is when you do sin blatantly sin your heart gets hard you nat, what you do you naturally want to do do you naturally want to go to a bunch of people and just share it with everyone no what you naturally want to do is hide you want to withdraw, you want to isolate. Sin wants to get into the dark corners, go behind the closed door, and get away from people. Wants you to withdraw from the family of God. So there's this really, it's funny, but it's not funny. You know what I'm saying? Um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a famous Welsh preacher, he, would, he was a famous preacher, and a lot of college students would, would come to hear him preach, and they'd go away to college, and they'd come back for the summer, And they'd come to talk to him. They'd come to just interact with him. And they would say, you know, Dr. Jones, I just just got doubts. I just don't really know if I believe this stuff anymore. I'm just kind of like, I just got doubts, you know. You know what his first question was? Who are you sleeping with? That was his first question. Who are you sleeping with? Because he knows what this is talking about. Sin deceives you, makes your heart hard. Causes unbelief, wants you to fall away. So he knows, okay, so if they're wanting to to drift away from the faith, it's got to be rooted to here. So where are you being deceived? Are you being deceived? Do you find yourself wanting desperately to withdraw from the family of God? Could it possibly be that you have been deceived? And because your heart is getting hard, You want to withdraw from people. So watch this. By you obeying what God is saying and throwing yourself into a community of believers, you are making war on your sin. You are doing the very opposite of sin's work. Sin wants to withdraw, you go, too bad, I'm going in. And here come the words of encouragement. Here come the gospel-centered, grace-filled, words of encouragement, and you begin to be strengthened, and God perseveres you. Do non-Christians do encouragement? Yes. But they do it just to get through life, and then there's death. We do it to get to the gates of glory. We do it because we want to see the face of Christ someday. That's why we do it. This is why it's essential. Absolutely essential. Not, not good advice. Essential. Necessary. For the sake of your faith, being sustained by God to be inside the force field of grace-filled encouragement in the local church. To make war on the deceitfulness of your sin, which hardens you, which causes unbelief, which causes you to leap, fall away from living God. Romans 7 verse 11 summarizes this work of sin very, very well. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me. And through it, killed me. A clever saying, that's, it's not, I didn't make it up, it's kind of well known, is sin is suicidal. It, it's in you, so it wants to result in killing you. So by you throwing yourself into the grace-filled community of God, you are making war on that. So whenever you are throwing yourself into community, know that that is actually, you are throwing yourself into the keeping power of God through the words of humans. And just so you, just so you feel encouraged on the other end, if you are the person giving encouragement, know that when you give words of encouragement inside the local church, inside the local church you are being used by God. That is profound, and that is necessary. Just as God ordained that people get saved through faith-creating words through preaching, God sustains your faith by the faith-sustaining words of encouragement. The gospel comes out through human words and saves you, And the gospel comes out in encouraging words and keeps you. That's how this works together. You have no idea what it might do to someone by just sending them a text at like 3 in the afternoon when you still don't know if you can go another day at work. Can I just make you guys very thankful for your pastor? That man is so encouraging, I just can't even handle it the texts that he sends. And for me to think, oh, he's just, you know, he's just doing his pastoral work. That's what, he's paid to do it, so he's got to do it. No, that is God himself using his text message to keep my faith. Praise God. So if we're going to persevere to the end as believers in Jesus, then we need each other more than we think because our sin is more dangerous and threatening than we know. Why obey these commandments, though? Here's the reason. Go to verse 14. For. Another conjunction. First word of verse 14. For, that's because. So he's about to give us the reason. Here's the reason, the basis, the grounds for the two commands above it. We have come to share in Christ. Saved. Share in Christ. It's salvation in Christ. If, notice the condition, If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Original confidence. That's the moment you first originally believed in Jesus Christ. If we hold that, for how long? To the end. That's how we know this is talking about perseverance. It is not those who claim to believe in Jesus Christ or said some prayer in the past who are saved. Rather, it is those who continue to believe to the end who are saved. So because it is only those who cross the finish line as a lover and believer in Jesus, verse 14, we must obey verses 12 through 13. Take care and encourage one another day by day. If we are going to persevere to the end as Christians then we need each other more than we think because our sin is more serious and dangerous than we know, this is the beauty of this passage. Now, no doubt, I'm going I'm to end with answering two questions and then rooting everything in the gospel, okay? I, I No doubt, some of you have thought this question possibly. Does that mean that, that true believers can, can fall away from God and lose their salvation and go to hell? Does that, does that mean that if I really have believed in Christ, that I can, I can, like, I can lose my salvation? I'm going to give you my answer, and I'm going to prove it from the text. No. Look at verse 14. The verse not, does not say we will share in Christ. doesn't say that. Will is future tense. It says we have come to share in Christ. Past tense. Already done. Have come to share in Christ. How do we know that's happened? If you make it to the end. Making it to the end is evidence that you truly did believe in Christ. In other words, if you make it to the end, a believer in Jesus, then this proves that you had come to share in Christ. The moment you believe in Jesus, you are a co-heir with Christ of the glory of the Father. And you're going to make it. And you making it to the end... Just evidence that you truly had shared in Christ. If you don't make it to the end, that shows that you never were in Christ. Amen. To make my point even stronger, one of the most, some of those beautiful words Jesus Christ ever said, John 10, 27 through 30. My sheep, it's believers, true believers, not fake, imposter, true. My sheep... Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. It's pretty clear. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. If you're a believer, you will never perish. If you love Jesus, you will never perish. If you trust Jesus, you will never perish. You will never be taken out of the grip of Christ. What is there to fear? Tomorrow, (laughs) you're never going to perish. And Jesus is about to just up the ante. Check it out. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father, were one. So, you got Christ's hand on you, and God the Father's hand on you. You're not going anywhere. You're in. He's going to keep you. And I love the last phrase, I and the Father are one. This keeping of your faith is a Trinitarian effort. The Holy Spirit's involved too, for sure. Father, Son, Holy Spirit keeping you to the end. You do not get put into the grip of Christ after you make it to the end. Rather, Christ's grip on you keeps you to the end. If you make it to the end, that shows that you truly were in the grip of Christ. If you don't cross the finish line, then you are never in the omnipotent grip of Christ. You are not saved by the strength of your grip on Christ. You are saved by the strength of Christ's grip on you. I'm going to say that again, because you need to hear that. You are not saved by how strong you hold on to Jesus Rather, you are saved by the strength of Jesus' grip on you. That should give you confidence. Because some of you just naturally have just a weak faith. You you tend to just kind of have doubts. This should be encouraging to you. Because your salvation is not dependent upon how strong you're able to hold on to your faith. Christ holds on to you. That's what keeps you. And last time I checked, yeah, uh, his grip is omnipotent, which means all powerful. So, you're not going anywhere. One more question: What is the purpose of saying this to believers that they cannot fall away from the living God? Right? Because if you can't if you can't lose your salvation, if, if true believers can't lose their salvation, what's the point? Number one, it's to wake up imposters. If you are faking it, wake up and trust Jesus today. The second thing is when true believers hear this, it confirms, strengthens, and intensifies the faith that was already there. If you find yourself going, I love Jesus. I love him even more. That's what this is supposed to do. That's what this is supposed to do. Here's an illustration. Imagine a father and a daughter walking through a carnival at night. They're holding hands, right? There's lots of there's drunk people, yelling guys, texting teenagers, scary, scary clowns, just running around. Lots of people. Dangerous place. So the father looks to his daughter and says, sweetie, don't let go of daddy's hand because I don't want to lose you. That's the warning. The father knows he ain't letting her go. She's not going anywhere. And if someone does try to take to her, they're going to feel the wrath. But when she hears that warning, the grip on her hand gets tighter and she becomes more sure and confident of her father's protection preservation of her. That's, That's what this is supposed to do to true believers, what it does to the daughter's hand and her heart. And if you're not a true believer, it's meant to make you go and grab it for the first time. I pray that that happens today. And just so we're clear, This remaining in Christ till the end by means of watching your own heart and encouraging one another in the local church is not a here's how you save yourself plan. Because if we're honest, the Bible would say that we deserve to fall away from the living God for all eternity. We deserve that. But Jesus Christ fell away from his Father on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why has you forsaken me? Because our sin was put on him and he fell away in our place. Why would he do that? So that those who trust in him might be placed into the secure, omnipotent grip of a loving father that only Jesus Christ deserves. Jesus got what we deserved, falling away because of our sin, so that those who trust in him get what he deserves. The eternally secure, affection-filled, Grip of the Father. Make no mistake, it is the gospel of grace that ultimately keeps us. It is the gospel of grace that drives us deeper into the Father's grip that put God us in the first place. It is the gospel of grace that does that. The threats And warnings of losing your salvation in Hebrews 12 and 13 and 14 are meant to drive the children of God deeper into the preserving grace of God that put them there in the first place. The gospel saves you and the gospel sustains you. Here's how I'll end. Just a a practical um, principle. This doesn't mean that you need to join 17 small groups, community groups, prayer groups, texting groups. Just relax, okay? Just just relax, okay? It first needs to start in the home. Your home should be an ocean of grace-saturated gospel-centered encouragement. Is that describe your home? Is your home filled with that encouragement? And then, depending on the season of life you're in, right? Single, just graduated college, newly married, newly married with an infant, babysitters, that, that determines a lot, right? Your kids are out of the house, you've got lots of kids, you, all your kids, whatever. Depending on the season of your life, life you're in, just pick one thing and commit to it. One thing outside of Sunday and commit to it. And it doesn't have to be a community group, it could be a prayer group, it could be a texting group, it could be an email group, it could be a Bible study, it could just be, hey, I meet with this one person in the church once a week, we have coffee together, and all the while, keep this in your mind while you're doing that. But keep in mind the glorious truth that this exhorting, this encouraging one another more than Sundays is actually God's keeping you in the faith. And when he's doing that, he is fulfilling his, blood brought, excuse me, his blood-bought promise to you from Jeremiah 32, verse 40. It'll be up here. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them and I will put the fear of me in their hearts and they may never turn away from me. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that you have set things up to where your preserving power is done through the encouragement of other brothers and sisters in Christ in the local church. You are a wise God. And we thank you, Lord, that ultimately it was Jesus Christ falling away in our place so that we could be brought into you. We know that's ultimately why we are secure pray for those who, maybe they're realizing that, wow, I was an imposter. I thought I believed and I really didn't. That they would grab the Father's hand for the first time. And they would be put into the grip of Christ for the first time. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.